I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Odessa Abilie. Odessa is a teacher and writer based in Vietnam, originally from the Philippines. She is a writer of two poetry books entitled Like a New Sun Rising and From Where I Stand. Her articles and poetry are featured in international publications such as Amendo, The Good Men Project, Girl Tell Me, and The Fairy Tale Magazine. In the Philippines, her essays are part of an anthology titled Good Street Under Eight Letters and an upcoming project of Summit Books. She is currently a mentee and BIPOC scholar at Middle Tennessee State University's Wright Program under the mentorship of American journalist and author Jennifer Chesick. Outside work and writing, she is into yoga, dogs, quiet cafes, and long walks. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kara. I've been looking forward to this chat with you. Yes, when we got connected and I heard you write poetry, I have been wanting to have a poetry episode on for a very long time. So I was so glad to make the connection with you. Me too. Wonderful. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? I am a teacher here in Hanoi, Vietnam, and I teach secondary school students. Um, this year, I have uh, grade six and grade sevens, and I also uh, teach adult and, and primary school in my you know uh, teaching gigs. And uh, I am also a writer, so when I'm not working, I spend a lot of time writing, um, discovering the city. I've been here for over a year now. Okay. Um, and before being here, I was living in the Philippines and um, I experienced quite an upheaval in the Philippines. That's why I decided to start fresh in okay. a new country. And um, yeah, books have been my uh, company since, well, since I was young, you know, I've always uh, surrounded myself with books. It, they have helped me so much in recovering and, and getting inspired and just today, I visited two bookshops here in Hanoi. Um, I spent time there, like reading and checking out their their catalog. So that's why I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I know you love books and uh, I do too. So this would be my first podcast to talk about uh, books and reading. So I'm so excited. Yay, I love that. I It's funny that you mentioned about books being with you in those times because I was just uh, reflecting Usually after I do 10 episodes, I kind of reflect back off the 10 episodes I did before. And um, we are a military family, so we move a lot. And so I use books kind of in those same cracks I've realized of like when we move to a new place and I know no one, right? But I, I need to fill my days, right, of something and escape kind of to, kind of, you know, of the busyness of moving and resettling and all of that. And I've realized that books have become a lifeline for me, right, in those times of, like you said, maybe even you could consider it um, a big change or an upheaval, right, of your life to an entire new city or country. And um so I 100% that resonates with me when you say that about books and Definitely. supporting us. Yeah, I remember like major changes that happened to me when I deliberately read books that 
feel like some kind of a need or or a void. Like yeah. I was engaged before, I was supposed to be married and it didn't work out. Okay. Um, and after that, I read books about grieving and about recovery, self-healing. And I don't think I could have gotten that much uh, knowledge if I only talk to friends. And of course, those those relationships are so important because they sure. give you the emotional support, right? Um, but there is something about sitting down and, and spending time by yourself with a book and getting to know what the author um, has has written for you. I feel like sometimes you, you feel like that, like the book was written for you and you can, you connect so well with it. Um, so yeah, uh, that I, I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah. The last quote that I give on each episode is how essentially how books find us at the right time of our life, right? And like they just, whether you want to call that karma or God's law, whatever way, whatever way you're going to look at that if like the books will find you when they need you well that's beautiful it gave me goosebumps <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's so true and I think to your point about books reading about you can feel that from whatever you're going through in life what you're trying to process in your life is when you're reading the book you're reading it usually from someone that has maybe walked in your shoes before and so exactly. where your friends give you the emotional support they and they'll be there for you they might not have been in this situation themselves. So the books really can help you go through that process of someone that's usually writing from a perspective of having been there too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your poetry and your writing that you do yourself? Yeah. So I have been writing, well, I started with writing songs. Okay. And But before writing songs, I was journaling. I didn't know that I, it was a journal. But you know, in in the in the Philippines, we would just call it a diary. You know, okay. the girls with the diary, sure. and you know, the diaries are the colorful notebooks that they get from the stores. And I started with those things. And at such a young age, I think I was already trying to record pieces of my life, like what I see in school. Um, I obviously I, I didn't have any idea that it would lead to something bigger. Um, and then when I was in university, I started writing songs. I formed the band and wow. uh, those, yeah, just the songs. And then we stopped the band because we finally got jobs. Okay. Um, and, and we still wrote because <laughs> I was heartbroken and then I was falling in love. And um, there's this part of me that didn't want to share by talking to friends. I'm not sure if, if you know, if you're like this too, but... Um, I really liked spending time in a cafe, even in my early 20s, um, and to just to write. And then I started getting uh, writing jobs, like part-time writing gigs, you know, SEO, copywriting sure. um, jobs. And I didn't really get to write what I wanted to write until I discovered that there was a world where you can actually be creative and write about your own life and and write about your interests and what you're passionate about through books. I found no, um, nonfiction books and self-help books. Sure. And I, I discovered that hey, I can I can do this too. Maybe, maybe there's there's something here that I can try. Um, so I started writing for medium.com. Okay. Um, and one of my articles about my then uh, boyfriend became huge 
uh, the title was The Six Signs You're Dating a Keeper. Okay. Um, but what's funny was <laughs> we didn't stay together. But I wrote about him. Yeah. He wasn't a keeper. How does life work out like that? <laughs> um, so I so that was a very simple list. Sure. I was describing him in that article. But the fact that people shared it and, and read it was the the major turning point for me as a writer. At that time, I didn't even call myself a writer. Sure. Um, there's some shame. Like, I'm not a writer. I, I don't publish my work in bigger publications. I'm not popular. So I didn't want to say that. But that was the time when I got some confidence and inspiration. And I thought, okay, maybe it's possible that I can get readers from outside the Philippines. Um, maybe I can connect with with uh, people from from other you know countries and nationalities. Sure. And um, it did, and it turned into books. I collected all the poems that I wrote from years back, and um, yeah, so they're the they are those two books. Uh, that you mentioned, like a new sun rising and from where I stand. And now I'm working on a book about Vietnam. Um, It's a a collection of personal essays about my first year here in Hanoi. And it's, um, it's like excavating (laughs) like a lot of the emotional parts of the past year, uh, what brought me here and that broken engagement. Um, But it's so, um, what should I say? It's so transformative yeah. to write about your life in that way, like from a very introspective um, angle. So I'm not even halfway yet, but uh, my mentor editor, Jen, is uh, is looking at it and hopefully I can finish it next year. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine that even though you're introspectively looking and writing about your life and the emotions that you're going through, like now you're a year out, right? You're kind of getting almost, I don't know if it's would be like a bird's eye view a little bit, right? Like you're kind of getting to look at it from like a different angle, which I imagine is part of your healing process, right? For sure. For sure. While I'm writing this book. So my editor would say on this chapter, you should reflect on the broken engagement. Okay. And now I look at my life like a book as if it's it was done in chapters. That's how I looked at sure. my first year in Hanoi. And yeah, when she when she told me that, I thought, yeah, this was this part of this year or that year was also the the time when I was able to reflect on the last 6 months and you know, looking at my family relationships, looking at that failed um, relationship the future that I could have had yeah. uh, with this person which is now replaced and I, I now have a very different reality um, and that's it's basically forming and designing a new life and writing about it so it's yeah and it's an ongoing it's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, but it sounds like you're opening yourself up to dream again too, right? Of a new cuz this is new reality, right? I mean, unfortunately there's things that happen in our life and although, you know, some usually I feel like I'm always kicking and screaming like no, 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 I don't want this to happen, right? But there are things in our life that will happen that we have to reset and that wasn't the dreams we had dreamed about for however long. 
but here we are in our new reality and we have to create we have to move forward from there right and and start dreaming again in this new frame yeah it it was like turning around and facing an entirely new direction nothing was the same yeah. when i moved to hanoi the language i knew i had no friends sure. i really started from from scratch all the friends that i know here now i invested so much time and and effort because i had friends in the philippines i was sure. comfortable yeah. you know i knew i knew my way in in my neighborhood and in my own country but here there's a lot more like a lot more effort needed to to survive and thrive yeah uh, so yeah I mean, that's, I feel like as you're talking, I'm like, gosh, you're so brave and courageous <laughs> for doing that. I mean, that is huge. Like not only did you have something so impactful happen in your life, but that you took this big step and moved to Hanoi as well. And like you said, and you started over, but I imagine now a year out too, like that's something that's great for your confidence, right? Like you've done it. You've created friends. You've found a way to thrive despite the odds, right? I feel like of what you came, you know, not saying it was so negative, but I'm sure it felt like it was like this big oh, uphill battle. Yeah. The, the first months I didn't, I had to do a visa run to Thailand and I came here in June. And then a couple of months after I had to leave the exit, the country and come in again with a work permit and, you know, all, all this visa stuff. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to go back to Hanoi I had this this nagging feeling in me saying what if you just stay in Thailand because it was very stressful like I went through a lot of stress with yeah. my first employer papers um, not having anyone not knowing anyone not having friends and the just the loneliness yeah now now I understand why I read about why loneliness kills or how loneliness can get us into depression. And it's definitely not sadness. It's not like that. Yeah. It's not like a dip in your mood. Um, but when you're lonely and alone in, in a foreign country, it just, it's different. I have never felt that kind of lonely um, in my life because I've always had my family around me, even though I lived outside of, you know, my city, I left somewhere else in an apartment sure. of my own. It's still different. Um, so yeah, the first few months was really a struggle. Um, and I had to find ways to take care of myself um, by myself, like in, in my small studio. Um, yeah. And then I, I had COVID, you know, I, I had all of these, like I had an accident on the motorbike, all of these things. Like, I didn't want to tell my family because I didn't yeah. want them to be so concerned. Sure. Um, but you just learn and uh, you you navigate through these things, especially the first year is, is always the hardest, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell my husband, I'm like, don't ask me if I like anywhere that we've moved until it's been at least six months. Because of that, I feel like that initial right of, 
you don't know where you're going. <laughs> you have to use your yeah. GPS everywhere. Um, you don't know anybody. And I'm like, until I like have my feet on the ground for six months, like I cannot give you, we could move to paradise. And I would probably still be like, nope, I don't like it. Cause I didn't, I, you don't feel grounded in a place. I feel like until you've been there a certain amount of time. <laughs> so for sure. And what I think that what made me feel that grounding here was relationships. Yeah. Um, having friends and having people to to text and invite for lunch and dinner. Um, that's when I started to feel a shift. And that was that came after six or seven months. Yeah. So I I waited for you know for quite a long time for, for those relationships to to develop into real friendships i'm actually taking this call in my friend's house um we had family dinner because it's a holiday here in hanoi okay and this is such a big thing for me to be invited to a family dinner Um, oh i love that what is the holiday oh it's their independence day so cool okay yeah we don't have work from friday until monday so it's kind of a big big deal here i love that well i'm glad you're spending your holiday with me (laughs) Of course. <laughs> so it sounds like you have a like a pretty like regular schedule around your writing as well. Or how how do you fit that in? Because obviously you're working another job too, and so you're busy doing that. Yes. So yes, I have developed um like a system or a schedule for my writing. When I say schedule, it doesn't mean that I write at 2 p.m. Yeah. for 30 minutes every day, but I have practices and triggers or cues that okay. bring me into a writing state. And I always start with a journal. Actually, in the morning, I start with a gratitude um, practice. So the before I reach for my phone, um, I grab a notebook and pen and write down the things uh, that I'm thankful for. Like, I'm thankful for waking up. I'm thankful for my breath, for my bed, my apartment and stuff. Even yeah. though I write the same things every day. It's fine. I love that um, though. But I started doing that because of that loneliness that I told you. Yeah. I really had to force myself to do these practices. Otherwise, I would wake up feeling so isolated from the world. Because yeah. um, I used to, you know, when it, during COVID, I lived with my parents. I had my dogs around. I just had people around me. Yeah. I was living close to my brother's family. Um, and while here, it's the opposite. Sure. So I have, and then I work. And then when I, when I get a long break or after I get home from teaching, I journal. Okay. Um, and then after I journal, I move to my, I have like a goals list or a daily reflections list. And I go through that affirmation, um, creative life section, um, future plan section, and then like money and quarterly goals. So whenever I go to the creative life, that's when I usually deal with writing projects and um, my social media stuff. Okay. So yeah, I have to go through this flow before I can actually start writing. Those are great little prompts for you to kind of get you in that space. Yeah. I think we need that to to establish um, habits. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I've been trying to journal more myself. Um, and I'm not as consistent as I would like. I, I'm very consistent about reading. And I feel like because it's like, 
it's become, I, I'm actually a physical therapist by trade. <laughs> so I always told patients like to create a habit, you want to do things at the same time every day. Like you brush yeah. your teeth at morning and night and that's like a habit, right? So I would tell them for their exercises, like do them right after you brush your teeth in the morning or do them right after you brush your teeth at night, you know, make them a habit. And I think there is something, I, I don't know how much about writing, right? Cause it, it, you have to have the creative, you know, part of that flowing, but there is something to be said about having it is just part of your daily routine in that same time frame, right? Like maybe not 8 PM every night, but just like, okay, I brush my teeth. Now I'm going to go sit in bed and I'm going to journal. Like having that be like the flow of your day is. Yeah. There's a good book I would recommend to your listeners, Atomic okay. Habits by oh, Jay. Yes. Yes. I, I think I saw that on your, your website or something. Yeah, um, I but, read it probably, I don't know, maybe four months ago or so, but loved it. It's such a good one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. I, I recommend that to to people who ask me, like, how how can you, you know, write this much? And just, it has to be, it has to be ingrained. Yeah. And listeners, yeah. it's not like a super dry nonfiction read because I feel like a lot of my listeners shy away from nonfiction, but it is such an easy, simple read with so many practical examples. Like it does not feel dry. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. And then, well, what have you learned about yourself through writing? Uh, what? Well, the first one would be just the skill and the craft that there is a natural order to things and we all start from the beginning from zero from cringe from <laughs> you know you have to be humble enough to to say that i'm not good at this but i i'm still going to do it anyway um so you start from that and then you need to produce you need to create and produce and keep doing it until you get enough familiarity with it um, because later on, when you keep doing something, I think that it, you form a mental representation. Like, oh, now I see my essay looking like this with this structure. Now okay. I know that I write like this. Now I know that I start my essays with this type of story or question. Um, so that's you develop that. Um, it's like an intuition. Sure. Um, and yeah, I discover that. And I, I tell my, you know, the, the people that I talk to that you can't find your writing voice through AI. Yeah. There is, you know, AI it's is such so a thing now. Yeah, it is. It's so powerful. It can read books. It can generate responses for us. And it's it supports so many artists. However, um, you have your own experiences. You have your own beliefs. And um, I think that you what makes your work yours is based on all of these data points that you have and you only you have that yeah only um, you could frame it that way right because of exactly. your data points yeah exactly so yes ai can support writers and, and artists um but still i i would still put my my bet on on our own intelligence and creativity and our emotions um and then another thing that I discovered about myself is that we need to dream. We need to have dreams um, and have the confidence and the, the will to pursue them. 
Yeah. Because they're not unreachable. Um, but you need to work hard. Yeah. You need to work hard and you need to put in the reps. <laughs> you need to be like if you're gonna go to the gym and you want to get ripped, um, you need to lift heavier weights yeah. and you need to lift um like more in the you know, like as you as you go along in your in your fitness journey. So sure. yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be a trajectory, right, to your dreams, yeah. right? We're gonna have to scale up as you go. Exactly. Yeah. And our dreams should scare us a little bit, right? I think there should be, right? I mean, that's what makes it a dream is it almost seems unattainable at a certain when you start. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that you you'd probably agree that all this all the things that you have now, like let's have, for example, this this podcast or your website, this was probably just a dream or or something on your checklist before um but now you get to choose the guests that you want to talk to and you know you have this range of of um books that are now featured in your in your website and you didn't have this before like yeah it was all just a vision in in your mind and you just you you put in the hard work to to make it all come true yeah so, and there was definitely a moment I, what I had, I think I had a five, a, like a two-year-old and a four-month-old and my husband deployed for seven months and, it. and it was 2020, it was COVID. So like having oh. support around, right, um, was minimal because we don't live near family. But I remember this moment of like overwhelm right? Understandably so of like, how am I going to survive the next seven months alone um, with small kids, with no sitter, no one coming in, right? Like, how am I going to do this? And it's kind of this moment you have to dig deep. But at a certain point, like you said, I think I started thinking about, well, if I get through this and like my husband comes home, like I'd love to start getting something going again for myself, right? Because that time felt like really like I'm serving my family because that's all I can handle right now. Like that was all I could control. Um, but it started, I started thinking about, well, what if I did a podcast? And so it just kind of became as this little idea, but I had seven months because I knew there was no way I would be able to start a podcast in those circumstances. So I had seven months to really dream about it and think about it and play with ideas in my mind of what I wanted to do. And he was deployed out to a ship. So it's not like I had a really good sounding board because he was gone. Right. I mean, I have, I had friends and family, but it was such a lofty dream. It felt like that you don't want to let people in as a, you know, cause you're like, I don't know if this is going to happen and I don't want to seem like I'm a failure if I don't make it happen. So it just wasn't to the point of like talking about it out loud. And I don't know if you have felt that before with dreaming. Oh my gosh. So there's something about it, like changing your identity and probably what you're saying is like when you were able to um, make it a part of yourself that, okay, I'm going to do a podcast and I can say that comfortably out loud and I can yeah. tell my friends, I can tell my family. Um, I told you earlier that I didn't want to call myself a writer, but yeah. now that's the first thing that I tell people. I'm a writer and a teacher. Yeah. And I can say that because I made it part of my identity years ago and I told myself, okay, this is going to be a huge part of my life. Um, and it's, I'm going to, going to commit to this until, you know, I'm, I'm 
old and probably gray. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to deny it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I also think there's a fear of failure there too, right? Of like not wanting to admit it out loud in case I fail, right? Or in yeah. case it doesn't happen. Like accountability, it might not, Yeah. You know. But like you said, I think if you make it part of your identity, but yeah, I think that's so cool what you're saying. Cause I totally felt that. And I feel like it took me seven months to kind of, I feel like I didn't even tell my husband. I feel like the first time I told him, Lord love him. He was like, you don't have time to do that. Like when are you going to have time? And he yeah. wasn't saying it as like, I don't think you should do it, but he was saying it to like protect me. Right. Cause I think he would see how overwhelmed I would get just by the day to day. And he's like, where are you going to fit that in? I think it was more of a protective, like, are you Fair. sure you want to add something else to your plate? Like, so, and now it's well, fine. What'd you say? How did you do it? I just started, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I get up at five, so I'm an early riser. Oh, okay. And because I want time before my kids, I feel like that makes me a better mom if I have time for me. And so I just determined that like, I would just start you know, in the cracks of my day, like I would do this. And um, now I've got a schedule down where I'm really trying to do a bunch of recordings so I can have like the holiday season off and I can have my summers off. And then that way I'm kind of with the natural rhythm of the school schedule here too. Um, and I, I've got it to that point that I can do that, right? Like I do it early in the morning before the kids get up or in the evening. Well, I used to listen to audiobooks and fold laundry. Now I will listen to the podcast and edit um, as I'm folding laundry or and I've just fit it in. And yeah, it's been it's been really great. And now I feel like, oh, I have something that's mine. Like, right. There's some piece of the heart that comes to that when it's like, oh, this is mine and I've created it all and no one can take that away from me. That's amazing. I'm so inspired right now. Oh, yay. <laughs> Well, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I feel like I'm loving where we're going, but I'd love to hear who you are as a reader. What type of books you enjoy reading? Yes. Yeah, so I started reading fiction books when I was 11. So I started reading late. Okay. Um, I never was exposed to children's books or fairy tales and then fables. Um, I remember back in a, in our house uh we only had encyclopedia sets because okay. that was the thing that was kind yes. of the thing everyone everyone had uh, an encyclopedia set at home yep um but that was and readers digest um but that was it <laughs> and we never we never really took the time to go to the bookstore and look at books and okay you know buy them but when I was 11 years old, I remember this very clearly. I was in a bus for a field trip in school and my classmate who transferred to my school coming from Guam, she gave me a copy of this young adult book entitled Bug Off. Uh, it was about siblings, the sister wishing for the younger brother to turn into a bug, and he did turn into a bug. Okay. Um, so that was the story, the first story um, that I read. And that got me into reading English books. Um, and then, you know, the typical young adult books at that time, they were very popular um, to, to girls my age, uh, Sweet Valley and Babysitter's yes. Club, R.L. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. 
um, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys. So these were the kinds of books that were circulating in my school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my best friend at that time, she had such a huge collection of Sweet Valley. And I was very jealous whenever I went to their house because um, we weren't, it, it was a luxury for me to have books. Sure. And I remember asking my my father to bring me to the bookstore and buy one Sweet Valley Teens or Sweet Valley Kids book. And okay. that cost, before that was like a dollar fifty okay. or a dollar. And um and that grew. That I think that my love for books grew. Um, and then I moved to nonfiction books and uh, poetry. I love nonfiction because I feel like they're really helping me with my life. Yeah. Uh, seldom do I read fiction books, but recently I, I, I um, I was reading Colleen Hoover. Okay. Yeah. Her novels, and yeah, but nonfiction is really my my cup of tea. Okay. And you've been so gracious to prepare a book flight for us today with lots of nonfiction. So I am excited <laughs> and some poetry as well. So why don't, is can you tell us a little bit about how these books pair together? Yeah, so these are all, I read these books at a time in my life where I was looking for meaning, change, um, recovery, trying to heal myself from something that happened like a loss or or I was grieving something. And I remember these books making me feel emotional because I connected so well with, with the chapters and, and how they were written. And they also inspired me to write. Um, I know that it's a really good book for me when I feel like, when I feel excited to, turn on my laptop and and write something. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that great books really inspire uh, writers. And yeah. they, they always go hand in hand, reading and writing. Um, so I love it when, when I find a writer who loves to read. And most of the time, they do. A lot yeah. of writers and a lot of readers also write because they get inspired by um, what they read. Sure. And yeah, because they, they I think that they take in so much creativity and and wisdom in them that they are able to produce something you know also creative and and beautiful out of uh, what they've read so yeah the should i tell you about the first book <laughs> yes yeah i actually had one other thing i was going to ask about that yeah is I feel like as you, the more you read, right? And the more you kind of figure out what type of books that you like to read, um, I think that helps hone your reading, right? And your ability to choose books for reading. But in saying that, I also think as you're reading, you just get struck by these quotes. Because if you are like digesting so much material, like you're saying, you can be reading something you're like, wow that hit deep right and it could be that it's just speaking to your life in that moment or it could be that it's just something so profound for in general um but i hear what you're saying about that too right that where that inspiration can come in both ways right both capacities whether you're a writer being a reader or a reader being a writer um i think that's very beautiful what you said do books inspire you to 
to make something? Actually, recently, I will say that I have been, I think that's what brought me back to journaling is we've just gone through some things this summer, or I have gone through things this summer in my life. And I've tried to find books that fit that, right? And then I've also been inspired to write down more my own thoughts, right? To kind of put my own data points, right? To use your wording, write down my thoughts within those data points, right? And kind of, I don't think it will ever be published to the world. I think I'm still at that phase right now, but it, to me, almost, it felt like these harder things that I have gone through. Once I wrote them on the page, I was able to let them go a little bit more, right? Like they didn't have their teeth sunk so deep in me that I was able to kind of write about it, process it, think about it and let it go. And sometimes I feel like it's just a stream of consciousness. I don't think it's anything that anybody else would read that would be like coherent. But for me, there was some letting go that I felt that happened when I was able to write that down. I'm glad you did. That reminds me of this book, Getting Things Done or Get Things Done. I'm so sorry. I forgot the name of the author, but what okay, he said. We'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, I cannot forget. He said that our ideas and thoughts are not meant to be stored in our yeah. minds. They are meant to be written down or done yeah. as actions. And I think what you said about, you know, because sometimes our thoughts weigh us down. And they can it can feel so heavy yeah. when we worry about the next 25 things that we're supposed to do. Um, but when you start writing them down, they become more doable. They turn into real actions and sure. and that you can actually do in the next yeah. 10 minutes. So yeah, that's a good book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to look that up. We'll have that in the show notes, listeners. So don't worry. <laughs> but I, I love what you're saying because, yeah, it's almost like I can... And I think that's what people do, right? When they say like they have a notebook by the side of their bed, if they wake up and like a thought is nagging them, they write it down so they can let it go because you know it's going to be there tomorrow and then you can make it an actionable item on your to-do list. But like why stay up till, you know, let it bugging you like as you're thinking about it, just jot it down, let it go and go back to bed. Yep. So love that. Well, yes. Yeah, so let's go back to the book flight and tell us what the first book of the pairing is today. Yeah, so the first book is Man's Search for Meaning. I actually have a copy here with me. Um, and this book is so, I think this book is one of the most powerful books I've read ever. And whenever someone asks me what my favorite book is, even though I've read it many years ago, um, I still look at it, the pages and, and look for a few paragraphs that, that I can learn from. I always say, I always recommend this book. And I think that it changed me because it changed my way of thinking. And whenever I feel like I don't have any direction or I'm everywhere, I'm trying sure. to do so many things, I look for the meaning of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And it became part of my um, thought process. Like there's, there's a meaning in this, like, if I did this game in, in the classroom, even if it's just as little as uh, as that, or if I say something to my student, there should be some meaning there. There should be something valuable there. Um, and with my path in, in writing, I always ask myself what the meaning is. Like when I'm trying to be busy with social media, 
um, I always have to ask myself, what does this mean? Yeah. What does this mean for me? Is it ego? Is it me trying to... Um, I mean, okay, so it's my social media. I can post anything, but there, I need to focus on my writing. And sure. that I know that I need to spend more time writing than creating content or or focusing on the content. So yeah. in those those areas of my life, I, I always ask myself whether it's leading towards the meaning that I I really want or the meaning that I have come up with for myself. Um, and there's this part in the book which I cannot forget. So he was in the uh, the the author Victor Frankl was in the concentration camp, and yeah. I think that he was telling himself that I couldn't. I need to survive. I need to survive this situation because he has things to do. He knew that his life had meaning, even if, you know, they had the work in the you know like digging in the ground and burying men and. Basically, they were worthless in the concentration camp. They only had, were numbers. Yeah, he was a doctor, yet he was as a prisoner. They were just you know nameless, and um, he had this thought of his wife, and I think that that was so powerful because that made him. Um, that was kind of his motivation to to keep living and to survive the you know, being in that camp even though there was a very big chance that he was going to get killed or yeah. or shot by just a very small mistake and i remember like what kind of love is that um that yeah. must have been such a powerful and um i don't know what how to describe that kind of love uh being in that dire situation and still trusting that you could get out of it so you can go back to to the person that you love. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't with him, right? So and so she, he didn't know if she was alive even. Mm-hmm. But that bit that thread of hope was enough for him to keep going, right? And I think again, like like you said, right? It's like you don't know what that type of love is, but to find that one glimmer of hope in such dire circumstances yeah that was his light in the darkness yeah yeah i found this book so profound myself and i think this was another identity shift phase in my life like we had moved overseas and i had left my job as a physical therapist and i was had been a stay-at-home mom and you start you have a lot more time to think right when you're not like being i mean i had my kids but i wasn't being pulled to a job but what is my purpose? What is my meaning here? Right. And it just, when I was starting to have this big, like almost identity shift in my life to being a mother, like, and really diving into that. So, um, that yeah. is so interesting that you said that, because I would assume that once you become a mom, there would be no question. And just like what you said, you had this. You had these questions. Yeah. And you had you feel like there was a transition phase from being um not a mom and then being a mom. 
Well, I always thought I'd have my like physical therapist identity as well. And I think that's part of what it was is that part was taken away. So then it was all being a mom and a wife, right? And so I think when I took a part of like, I'd worked so long, I'd gone to school for so many years and I had worked for so long to get this board certification and all these things, I thought, you know, something that you think you're always gonna be. And then you're like, well, wait, I'm I'm not. And it, it wasn't out of a place of like, I'm mad about it. Like, it was like, well, what is my new reality, right? Back to what we said in the beginning, like, well, it's not my identity right now. So who do I say that I am? And, and what is important to me? It really honestly gave me time because life was so much slower when we lived overseas. It really gave me time to figure out what was most important in my life. Because now I do ask myself these questions of like, if other things start to pull me away, like, well, nope, back to reality is like the most important thing to me. And I can always like try to put this into future is that when I'm 80 is going to be my relationship with my family. And so if there's things that are pulling me from my family, is this going to matter when I'm 80? Nope. It helps me like kind of let go like, nope. Or like pull put a boundary there. Like, no, this does not need to be a priority in my life. And so it, it's given me, you know, it gave me the ability to think about my purpose and my meaning, like you're saying. And then now I kind of use that as a, a gauge as I go forward. So yeah it's a life-changing book i would recommend yeah. everybody to read it <laughs> and it's really short i mean you could digest this and i mean it's a very heavy topic but you could read this heavy. in a few days because it's not lengthy at all so is there anything else you'd like to add about that one um i think that when i started reading the book i was imagining the struggle of being taken away from everything that you've known and every person that you love. I mean, my move here is not even close to yeah. what he experienced. Um, but I cannot imagine the the suffering that he went through, not just him, but everybody else who, who had to go through that. And it's just an inspiring and, and very amazing story. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. I love books for that reason of that perseverance of spirit, right? Like you would think yeah. that in, like, again, I'm going to say dire circumstances again, because nothing else is coming to mind. But in a situation like that, like how you still had hope and how you survived and it's truly incredible. So, okay. So that was The Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And then what's the next book of the pairing today? The next book is all Along You Were Blooming by Morgan Harper Nichols. Okay. I love yeah, the so title. Is, yes. So I read this book last year after that broken engagement. And I found this book, or maybe the book found me, as you said earlier. Because um, she is quite big on Instagram. Okay. And I know that she, the, the author is, is also an artist. So her books are filled with her colorful and vibrant art. And she mixes that with poetry and prose that are so easy to access. And it's as if the, she's, she was writing about you. Um, and I think that it was all about 
giving that message of hope to those who are going through a big loss. And at that time, I was that person. Um, And there's this line from, from her book that says, no matter how dark the night in the morning, light pours through, filling every corner of the room. Um, it was, it's a book of hope and I would, I would really recommend this to, to women who are not just going through something difficult or, or a struggle, but if you're looking for positivity and, and some optimism, something to carry you through the, the more difficult days, then this is a very good book. Um, not only for the the words, but also for the art that she makes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I am like very much don't read much poetry. I So when you read poetry, do you kind of just pick up a few, you know, read a few of them here and there? Like it's not a book I'm going to read cover to cover, right? Like that's not how I'm going to sit down and read poetry. Yes, that's exactly how, at least for me, that's how okay. I do it. I cannot read a poetry book in two days because usually poetry sure. books would be shorter and thinner. Yeah. Um, but I think you need to absorb a poem okay. by itself yeah, and, you know, turn it into, there's, there's one whole story in, in a poem. So I would prefer to read maybe one or two in a day okay. um, and then go back to the book. I mean, okay. you should be in a hurry anyway. So yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking because I, like you said, the, I love that you say that. There's a story in one poem, one story in one poem. So just to be able to like digest and process that, right? You need some time. You can't. You're not going to go poem to poem to poem because like you'll never really. It'll never hit you that way. Yes. So sometimes I go back to my old poetry books and read poems that I've read several times before, okay. just because I feel like. I still connect with the poem and I love how it rhymes or there's a certain scene or stanza there that I love and appreciate. So that's that's also why I buy poetry books, like the printed copies. Because sure. um, I like uh, reading ebooks, but for poetry, I would get the printed copies so I can keep going back to them okay. uh, whenever I feel like it. Yeah. And I imagine as you have more life experiences, right, or you're in a different period of your life, that poem is going to hit you differently. For sure. And there are poems that you don't understand right away. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Like, what does this mean? And then later on, go back to it after six months or one year, and then you can get the meaning of it. Okay. Which is crazy, but... It's yeah. that's cool. That's cool about poetry. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, you're inspiring me. I am like, oh, go run to add this to my TBR cart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was All Along You Are Blooming by Morgan Harper Nichols. And then what is the last book of the pairing today? The last book is Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. She wrote Wild. Yes. And um, this book is a collection of letters. So she was, it's like an advice column. Okay. And write, uh, letter senders would ask for her um, advice on, on life and love and, and relationships, uh, career. And she responds as sugar. So okay. her, 
pen name was Sugar. I don't think she still does it as a job, um, but they already compiled um, these, you know, the, the, I'm not sure if they are the most popular letters, but they made a very good collection. Okay. And what I loved about this book was it's so raw and it really shows how weak we are as humans and also the, the strength of the human spirit. Um, and she responds, she doesn't really give advice, but she sh- she tells you the truth. Yeah. Um, she tells you the truth that you already know. Okay. So if your question is, should I break up with my boyfriend because he's this and that? And she would respond with, something that you might have already thought of. Yeah. Um, which is wonderful because it's not her coming from a mighty position saying, sure. I know this. I know it all. I've been through this. Um, but she just comes from this place of authenticity and being, she's so human. Mm-hmm. Cheryl Strayed. And I've followed her since, uh, well, since Wild. Um, was okay, really yeah. been following her so she's she's one of my writing heroes I think yeah yeah she's it sounds like she just sits with the person in their space too exactly. which sometimes can be so I mean that's all you might need sometimes is just sit with me here this hurts or this sucks but just sit with me here even in her interviews the way she she talks and um responds to to questions about her writing and her books um she's very simple but always very impactful so yeah. i love that um i remember in the book one writer a young writer wrote to her asking her what to do about her career because she wasn't feeling really confident about her writing sure. and sugar's advice was to begin at being humble, to start at zero and to not worry about what people will say and not to think about level 10. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. these are the books I'm going to write. These are, I'm going to get published here or maybe I'm not going to be a bestseller. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. You just need to write and you just need to create something. And as, you know, as someone who writes, that was quite a powerful letter. So yeah. I just imagined that I was receiving that from her. <laughs> You're like, thank you. That was for me. Yeah, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. I think, I feel like I've read a book in this format and I'm wondering if I've read this. This is why I use Goodreads to track my um reads because if I've read it six or seven years ago, sometimes I, you know, I'm like, okay, I can't remember the title. I can't remember the author, but I'm like, I know I've read a book in this format, right? Where someone was writing in and coming back. So I'm like, I'm going to have to go back. I'll email you. I'm going to have to go back and be like, was it this one? Because I'm sure there's not many books out there like this. So it has to maybe be this one. So, okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I love that. Okay, so that was Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. So thank you so much for these book pairings. 
How I love to end our show is what I call our bonus pairings, and they're just a speed round of questions. So you can answer these really quick. Where is your favorite place to read? In bed. Love it. <laughs> Comfort zone. <laughs> Before I sleep. I yeah. That's what I do too to unwind. If I don't, like if we're in a hotel room with the kids or something and I forgot an e-reader, my, you know, a Kindle and I'm like, how am I going to fall asleep? Like I'll lay there and I feel like it takes forever to fall asleep when it's probably the same amount of time, but I'm like escaping in a book. So it doesn't seem like it's, oh, the minutes are ticking by and I'm still not sleeping. <laughs> you read during the day too? I do in the more. I always in the morning read. And then like, I kind of do exactly what you said is I don't touch my phone until like seven o'clock in the morning, but I get up at five. So whether that's reading, having coffee, getting ready, being with my kids, but I just don't touch my phone until seven. And then that way, cause I feel like once you go into that rabbit hole, it can suck you in. So, um, and then I leave it downstairs at night as well. Like I usually go up at like eight 30 or so with the phone downstairs and I go up and I read until whenever my head's like nodding off and I'm falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now that my son, he's actually going to school as well this year, cause we had been homeschooling. I bring a book with me into the uh, like pickup line as well. Yeah. Those idle moments, yeah. they're the best, best um, time to read. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to be a good influence like around the house during the day. So if my kids are watching their show or something, I'll try to have a book in my hand versus my phone in my hand or something like that when in those moments of like, okay, mom's going to take a break too. Um, so I, I try to be like a good influence in the house with that. Yeah. So they can see you reading instead of using your phone. Yeah, exactly. Technology is such a fight and I'm sure it's only going to be worse for them as they get older. My students are, yeah, they love their phones and video games, but I love seeing some of them bringing books to school yeah so yeah and they're different like you know my students who read they're usually like more quiet but when you ask them to write something or, or do some tasks they're they're into it yeah uh, so yeah yeah you're saying that in the day-to-day -day as well yes and then what is one book you have read that has changed your life aside from man's search for meaning recently well, this year, I read Anne Patchett's These Precious Days. Okay. And I love how that book talked about life, how short it is, yeah. how unpredictable, and why we should just cherish every single day that we have. Yeah, really okay. good. Book. And from... from that book I read like two other nonfiction books by Anne Patchett. She's a wonderful. Okay. As I say, I've read her books, but I have not heard of this one. And it sounds like it'd be right up my alley. So yeah. thank you for sharing that one. And then are you a rereader? Rereader, yes, but not the entire book. Okay. I go back to some chapters that I enjoyed. Sure. And then lastly, what are you reading next? I recently got myself a tarot deck. So okay. I'm reading a tarot reading uh, card book. And I also just got a copy of Ocean Vuong's 
on earth were briefly gorgeous. Yes. He's Vietnamese American and yeah. I've always been wanted to get into his work. So yeah, I'm so excited to to start. Yeah, I immediately when I saw that book came out what maybe two years ago, I think, or so. And that just that title alone was so beautiful. It's like, oh my gosh, right? it draws you right in. So exactly. The book cover. And because I'm here, I'm trying to read books about Vietnam, yeah. written by tourists who came here, and about, you know, I mean, from writers uh, from here. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's a good way to immerse myself into the arts and culture scene. 100%. I read, um, usually I try to give a dessert pairing that pairs well with your book flight. Um, and this might actually, but there's a book called The Mountain Sing. Have you read that? Yes, by the Vietnamese writer Nguyen. Yes. Um, I forgot, but she yeah, has a new novel. My, yeah. Do you read them out and sing, though? Um, I've seen them in, in the okay. bookshop earlier, but I didn't um, get the novel because I got Ocean Wong's book. But Okay. It is another really good one. Um, it is a very tough story because it's about um, like when yeah. communism came into Vietnam and the war. Um but it's about a family essentially going through all of that. It's as tough as it is to read. I think it's such an important story mm -hmm. and, and time period to learn about and the impact that it had on this family. Wow. It's a, it's a wonderful book. So if down the line you need another one, it's a really excellent, excellent mm -hmm. read. It is, I will tell you, it will evoke emotion for sure, but it is worth the read. Man, that was right beside Ocean Wong's book. Okay. In the bookshop. Yeah. Um, and she has this, her new novel is Dust Child. I yes. Just remember, right? Yeah. And I haven't read that one yet, but I would definitely, after reading The Mountain Sing, I would 100% read The Dust Child as well. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So it was wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know your time is precious and it's a holiday. So I really appreciate you, spend, you spending your time with me here. I had so much fun talking about books. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today with Odessa Abiyye and her book flight of books that inspire meaning and purpose in our lives. This is officially the last episode of season one. Thank you so much for making this first year fantastic. I know many of you have asked how you can help. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you will not miss an episode. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are currently reading or picking up next, especially if you heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And as Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Thank you so much for making this first year great.